welcome back to another episode of Husky Talk. Our guest today will be a rookie in the 50th running up that I did arrive. After working a summer job in Alaska, she met her husband, Iditarod Musher, Jeff Peter. We are excited for you to hear her journey to the Iditarod. Please welcome to the show, Katie Dieter. Hello, Katie. Welcome to the Husky Talk. Hi, thanks for having me. With this being the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod, we are going to start off, start the show off with a little Iditarod trivia. We have five questions for you. Are you ready? Oh my gosh, this is so unexpected. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm ready. First question. Who founded the Iditarod? I would say Joe Reddington Sr. Yes. Who won? That's how she got yes, it. Yes, right. good job. Thank you. Second question. Who won the very first I doubt it did arrive? Oh my god. What was his name? You know what? I don't remember his name, but I do know that he used the prize money to buy a bunch of gold mining equipment. Did you guys know that? He wasn't actually really a dog musher. He borrowed the dog. He ran them, won the race, and then gave the dogs back and bought a bunch of mining equipment. But I don't know his name, so tell me. Tell me what was his name. Dick Wilmer. Dick Wilmer? Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Who was the first female Iditarod champion? Libby Riddle. Correct. What was the closest finish? Ooh, was that Rick Swenson and Dick Mackey by like, what, one second? Two seconds? Yes, good job. How many seconds was it? Do you one know? second. One second. Awesome. Fifth question. Who was the oldest person to oh, ever finish the Dead Rod? Xander Camry's office, please. Logan Eden. Oldest person that ever finished Dead Rod. I know. No, maybe I don't know this. Who has that? Um, oh, yeah, you're going to have to help me out with this. Who is it? It is Norman Vaughn, and he was Norman 84. Norman Vaughn. 80, what was it? 84. 84. Cool, and was he, wasn't he something else? He was like a general in the service or a doctor or something. I think he has a pretty cool story as well. Yes, you are. Uh, uh, um, we don't know this question. <laughs> or whatever. That's okay. Hey, I did pretty good. What did I get? Three out of five? You got three and a half correct out of all five. Three and a half? What was my half? Uh, the half was the point for Dick Wilmer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So, Katie, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Katie Jo Dieter. I am 35 years old. I will be running my first Iditarod um, this coming year in 2022, so that makes me a rookie. Um, I live with my husband, Jeff Dieter, in Fairbanks, Alaska, and we have uh, 57 dogs right now. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Let's go back a little so when you were in college, you went to school in Wisconsin. Tell us what your plan was in college. <laughs> um, yes, I went to school in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I knew 
going into college, what I wanted to major in, I majored in recreation therapy, and that is similar to occupational therapy or physical therapy. Um, I wanted to work with people who had special needs and use recreation as a way to um, help them get better, get healthier, um, and also live a more full life. I really believe in the importance of leisure and recreation and doing the things that you love and having fun. Um, so that's what I went to school for. I graduated in 2008, and um, after graduation, I didn't really want to settle into my career quite yet. I wanted to spend some time traveling, um, and it was during my travels, actually, that I came to Alaska and um, just got involved with sled dogs and met my husband. That was in the summer of 2010. And so I guess I, I sort of made a career switch at that point. Um, I couldn't find work in my field up here in Fairbanks, but I wanted to stay in Fairbanks so that I could stay with Jeff and stay with the dogs. Um, and so we started our tour company instead, which has been great. We offer dog sledding tours um, to people from around the world now, and that's really great. So I still get to be involved in leisure and recreation, but I'm not doing so much of the therapy. We live about three and a half hours away from lacrosse. That's awesome. After college, you started traveling around the country. Tell us about this experience. <laughs> it was great. I'm so glad that I did it. Um, it. It was stressful at times. I would change my career I don't want to say career, that's not right. I would change my job with the seasons. Um, so I would do something for the summer, like the uh, summer camp counselor. Um, and then I would do something different for the winter, like work at a ski resort. Um, and that was really awesome in that it allowed me to travel. I didn't have a lot of money when I was younger. And so I had to be working if I was going to be traveling. Um, and so this was just a great way to see the country and also pay my bills. I never had a lot of extra money, and at times it was stressful to always be thinking about your next job. You know what I mean? Like I would just get a summer job, I'd start working for the summer, and then, you know, maybe halfway through the summer I would already have to, like, be starting to look for winter work again. So it got, um, it got a little bit stressful at times, and, and it got old eventually um, I did that kind of thing from about the age of 20 21 um, I traveled every summer in college I went somewhere different and so I was traveling from around 20 years old to about 25 years old um, I was 25 when I came to college or maybe not even quite maybe 24 um, and so by the time I got here or not college Alaska was when I met I was about 24 when I came to Alaska finally and um, by the time I got here, I was ready to stay in one place for a while. But I'm really glad that I had those four or five years of traveling. It was really great. It allowed me to kind of figure out where I wanted to live. Um, and I would definitely recommend it for any other young people trying to see the country. What was your favorite job you did while traveling? Hmm. I had this really cool job in Utah, where I worked with at-risk teenagers. 
I, you guys are maybe familiar with this population. Um, in your school, if there are kids who are maybe getting in trouble, the principal's office a lot, maybe they get expelled, suspended once in a while, um, maybe problems with drugs or alcohol. I worked with those kids at a wilderness treatment program. And so we were out in the middle of nowhere in the desert in Utah. And um, we just spent time outside and hiking and playing games and doing arts and crafts. And it was a very cool experience um, for those kids, I think, to be away from some of the things that were distracting them and causing them to act out or have bad behaviors. Um, it, it was really cool for me to see that and um, just such a good reminder of the power of the wilderness. You know, they were able, these kids were able to just get out in a space that was free and open and non-judgmental. Um, and that was, that was really special. That was probably, that was one of my favorite jobs for sure that I had. We see that you have been to every single state in the country. That's awesome. <laughs> pretty darn close. Yeah, pretty close. So then what brought you to Alaska? Well, you guys are from Iowa, so I'm sure that you would maybe think about dog sledding someday. It sounds, sounds cool, I think, to most kids everywhere, especially kids that live in cold climate um, and have access to the great outdoors, like I know you guys do and like I did in Wisconsin. And so as a kid, I always wanted to try dog sledding. And... When I was getting ready to leave my winter job in Colorado, I honestly just went on the computer and I did a Google search for summer jobs in Alaska. Those are my search terms, summer jobs in Alaska. I thought, you know what? I don't really care what I do. I just got to get to Alaska. That's next on my my list of places to go. And the very first result that came up in Google was um, working with sled dogs in Juneau at a summer tour operation, and I thought that was really cool that you could still run sled dogs on wheels. I didn't I didn't know that. I thought you had to have snow and a traditional sled, so I applied for the job, and I got it, um, and so that was kind of my, my way of getting up here um, and also my start in sled dogs, but I had wanted to try dog sledding, you know, from a very, very young age, as long as I can remember. I had thought hooking up some dogs to a sled sounded pretty cool. And this is where you met your husband, Jeff. Can you talk about this? Yeah, we met in Juneau in the summer of 2010. We were working at the same place. And at the time, Jeff had already run Iditarod. He ran Iditarod in 2008 um, when he was just 19. And so when I met him, he was 21. Um, And he didn't have a lot of dogs anymore. After finished Iditarod, he sold a lot of his dogs to a friend. And so when I met him, he only had maybe six, six dogs. Um, but it was enough dogs to show me how to, to sled on a traditional sled. Um, and so he convinced me to come to Fairbanks. At the end of the summer, working in Juneau, um, he said, hey, I don't know what you're going to do this winter for work, but if you want to come to Fairbanks, I've got six dogs on a sled and I can show you, you know, show you how to run them on a traditional sled instead of on the wheels, which is what we had been doing all summer. Um, and I said, yeah, sure, great. Um, and we've been together ever since. Yeah. Um, so what was it like working with Jeff? Um, 
So what inspired you to want to run the Diderot? Well, after Jeff and I had been together for a couple years, we started to get more dogs. Um, he realized that he really missed racing and he wanted to get back into it. And so we started getting more dogs and I started helping him train. Um, so originally I was just going out for fun a couple times a week as I had time and wasn't very much. And then he said, you know, hey, we've got more dogs now and I could use help getting them ready for races. And so I started going out more frequently. I started going out for longer. Um, and I think it's kind of just like anything that you love, you know, as you get better and better at it, you kind of start to push yourself more and more, you know, you, you just add more challenges. Um, and so now I'm at the point where Iditarod is the next, it's the next reasonable challenge. I've done some shorter races and I thought those were really fun and very challenging. And so this is just kind of the next logical step, um, as for the Iditarod Trail itself, it's a beautiful trail um, from what I've heard and seen pictures and videos of. It's a beautiful trail, and it's so remote that if you want to see that part of Alaska, doing it on a dog sled is really kind of the only way to do it. Um, and so that's just that's going to be so special. I love traveling in the wilderness with the dogs. I love seeing the mountains and the sunrise and, you know, we're going to see the frozen ocean, which is going to be really amazing. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to seeing all of that scenery out there. That's definitely, for me, the thing I'm most excited about is just how beautiful it's going to be. Hello. Hello. So the listeners know rookies have to qualify for the Iditarod by running a certain number of other sled dog races. What races did you complete to qualify? I completed the Knick 200. That was my first race. And then I have done the Copper Basin 300 two times. I did it in 2020 and I did it in 2021. Um, and in 2020, that was my first 300-mile race, and it was my first race by myself without Jeff, like, on a sled next to me. Um, when we did the Connect 200, we did it together. But the Copper Basin 300 that I did in 2020, I did on my own, um, and it was temperatures were between negative 30 and negative 50 the whole time for all three days of the race. Um, someone said they saw the thermometer get as cold as negative 60 at one point, too, but... Um, I didn't see that. I wasn't looking, though, either. I was trying to ignore um, how cold it was. So doing that race was a huge confidence booster for me. Um, on paper, you know, you have to finish a certain amount of other races in order to qualify. And that's true, and I did that. But going through that experience on the Copper Basin in 2020, in those very cold temperatures and doing it on my own, um, that was really huge for me. That was really, I, I needed that. I felt really good about signing up for a Diderot after that. You and your husband operate a sledding dog touring business. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, when we started our business, we weren't sure how much money we were going to make. We didn't know if, um, 
it's something that we could do full time and we could both do it. I think we both thought that we would need other jobs in addition to uh, to running our tours. But now it's all we do. We're open in the summer where we take the dogs out on wheels. We have one of those big um, side-by-side uh, ATVs where we can seat a driver and then five passengers. And then in the winter time, we take people on traditional sleds. Um, we give them the opportunity to actually stand up and try driving the sled, which is really cool. It makes us different from a lot of other places um, here in Fairbanks where most places you're just sitting as a passenger. Um, and we really focus our tours on trying to get people as hands-on as possible. So when you show up for a tour at our place, whether that's summer or winter, um, we let people walk around and interact with all of our dogs at their houses. Um, and then we show people how to put the harnesses on the dogs so people actually get to help us hook the dogs up and put them in formation in the team. Um, and that's always really exciting. I think it's great for people to see how excited the team gets when it's, you know, when we take the harnesses out and we start hooking them up and everyone's barking and jumping up and down. Um, really lets people know that the dogs are enjoying what they're doing. Um, that's one of my favorite parts about our tours. What goals do you have for the Dare Rod this year? Really, two goals. Uh, I want to have fun, and I want to make it to the finish line. Okay. That's pretty much it. <laughs> As you know, this is the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod. What do you think is one positive and one negative thing that has changed over the 50 years of the race? What a great question. Um, I think something that's positive is just the fact that we are still doing this 50 years later, you know, and that's such a, that's just such a cool thing considering that Joe Reddington wanted this race because he worried that people were going to stop using sled dogs, that they were going to kind of disappear. Um, and so the fact that we are still running this race 50 years later um, and that there are young people like me, like, I don't know, maybe I'm not that young anymore, but there are people younger than me um, who are learning to dog sled every day. Um, it is definitely not a dying sport, and I think that having the race um, has been huge for keeping the sport going, people keeping people interested in it. So that's a major, major positive. Um, did you ask me about a, a negative thing yeah. that I have seen over the last 50 years? Yep. I think the thing that is the hardest for me about being a dog musher is that there are a lot of, well, I don't, maybe there's not a lot, but sometimes it feels like a lot of well-meaning um, animal rights activists who think that um, dog sledding is mean to dogs, and that that makes me really sad. That really hurts, it hurts my heart because it makes me, you know, it puts me at odds with other people who also love animals, which just seems silly. Um, everyone that I know who's dog sledding loves dogs. That's why we're doing this. Um, and so to have people accuse us of doing something mean to our animals um, is really, it's really sad. And it hurts my feelings. Um, and I think that when you have a big event like the Iditarod, you do open yourself up to that sort of criticism. You know, Iditarod is a big international event that millions of people know about and watch. Um, and so it's going to draw 
negative attention with positive attention. Um, and that's just, it's too bad, but I guess it, it's what happens um, when you have an event that's really big. You know, nothing in the world is uncontroversial anymore. You know, every everything, I guess, has two sides or, you know, things that people want to argue about. So that's something that is, is sad and, and negative. Our final segment of the show is a segment we are bringing back from our first season. It's called Musher Mount Rushmore. If you had to replace the four presidents on Mount Rushmore with four faces of Thyatiderod, who would they be? You can pick anyone that has anything to do with Thyatiderod. Oh my god, what a great question. Okay, so obviously you have to have Dick Mackey. Um, and then, man, there's got to be at least one woman up here. Um, Libby Riddles is a good option. So is Susan Butcher. So is Allie Zirkle, honestly. She ran 30. I did her odds. I feel like she belongs up there. Um, yeah, I'll have to come back to the women. But Dick Mackey, another person that I would put up there is um, Mark Nordman. And if you guys haven't talked to him, you might want to try and get in touch with him, although he's a busy guy. He's a race marshal, and he's been race marshal for a long, long time. Um, and he, you know what? He makes the whole race run. There's a lot of people involved in it, but Mark is the guy who makes it happen with the villages and the logistics. And he is there to greet every single musher as they come across the finish line day or night. Um, he knows everyone's name. He's got a relationship with everybody. He comes to our shorter races to see us rookies and see what we're capable of. Um, so I think that Mark Nordman absolutely belongs up there. So let's do Dick Mackey, Mark Nordman, Susan Butcher, and oh. I guess we gotta go Dallas BB. Um, Dallas right now is tied for the most Iditarod wins ever. Um, and I know that he's gonna break that record. He will have many more Iditarod wins before he retires. Um, so he definitely belongs up there too. That's a good choice. Dude. Thank you for, so much for talking with us today. Katie, good luck in the Iditarod. Thank you so much. You guys had great questions. It was really so fun talking to you. Special thanks to Katie Dieter for being on our show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, Outside Trail song, and our outro song. They call this race the Iditarod Trail. To me, it's Reddington's Run. In my heart, it's Reddington's Run.